Welcome to the Lifelinks Podcast, where we share stories of pushing past the stigma of diversity to embrace love of self and cultural identity, because we're not blending in. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, and also the creator of this content. If you want to chat more about what we talk about here on the show, please reach out to me on whatever platform you enjoy on social media. We're available at Lifelinks or on our website at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X. I'd love to engage with you more on these topics and hear more of what you have to say about them. Hola, chicas. How are you all doing this week so far? How was that Mother's Day weekend? Hoping it was full of warmth and love and relaxation because it's truly a gracious time to consider just how tremendous the power of motherhood is. Whether in relation to your own mother, God bless you still have her with you, or as a mother yourself. I hope you had time to pause and relish the memories and create some new ones. Because when you remove motherhood from the stress of life itself, from worrying about money and time and deadlines, wow, and just sit in what you come from, in what you have created, it is the most powerful part of humanity. And it's in our hands, and only our hands. This week, we continue honoring women who have created life, sustained humanity, and led our world forward, sometimes against all odds. We have often spoken about the strength and determination of mothers who left everything they knew behind in order to start over in a foreign country. They are visionaries who saw another life for themselves and even more so for their children and family and yet had no way of knowing what the new world held for them. Today's episode explores the progression of this journey and offers respect and gratitude for these courageous women who became our mothers and grandmothers. Women who followed their compassionate hearts and their vivacious souls to live the life they saw for themselves. Then raise their children, especially daughters, with a hope and a prayer that we would appreciate their leap of faith. I'm not sure which part is more difficult. Making the decision to leave everything behind and hopefully fulfill a dream. Or raising children to believe in that dream too. Because in life, making a decision that only affects oneself is already tricky. We hesitate in beginning a new career or moving to a new location or even just changing our hairstyles out of fear of making the wrong decision. Now add in making the decision as a couple or as parents and things begin to get complicated. You're affecting others by your decision-making. Pondering over a decision of leaving your home and country and things get downright frightening. Especially in recent years, we have seen the real threat to mothers trying to immigrate here to the U.S. 
violence and strife in other countries has created peril for families. And often it is the women that make the treacherous journey with their children to find safety and a new home. And once here at the border, there is no guarantee of their security. That slow grind of bureaucracy keeps threatening their ability to access the safety. Not all families are forced to flee their homeland, though, and have the time to complete a more formal process of relocation. And yet, there is still no guarantee of residency once here. During the time it takes to get a green card, so many things can go wrong. Women of all walks of life are forced back to their country to start the process all over again. Now again, it's one thing to be single or even a couple and face that unknown, to start that journey all over again. But being a mother makes it so much more difficult. A woman has to choose between leaving her children behind in the U.S. and traveling alone or taking them with her, only to fear for the well-being of her children in the country they are trying to leave. This happened to my own mother multiple times before getting her green card with and without children. I'll tell you more about that adventure later in the podcast. So take a moment and consider what would it feel like to dedicate yourself to leaving your current situation and immigrating to an unknown country. Put it in your perspective of your life right now in this moment. What if you were to take what little you owned and immigrate to a country that didn't speak your native language? You had no job, barely any money, had no work visa waiting for you, yet you are committed to starting a family there, so it has to work out. There is no alternative to return to what you left behind. While you're pondering that a moment, I'm going to shout out the woman-owned coffee business in San Francisco as part of our steamy cafecito moments. It's our way of supporting small business in any community. So if you have one in your neighborhood or a global recommendation, then DM me on our LifeLinks Instagram or email me through our website at thelinks.com. Our Cafecito Moments are based on visiting women-owned and diverse-owned coffee businesses to support their entrepreneurial spirit and financial gain through our favorite ritual of drinking coffee. Anytime. All the time. (laughs) What started as an excuse for me to have my second round of coffee has really turned into a blessing. I love this. I had no idea how many coffee businesses are founded by women and the diverse community. So this week's business is a bustling one, just under 10 years established and flourishing in four locations in San Francisco. If you saw the hints on our Instagram stories, you may have noticed I visited their Salesforce Tower location. So if you're in the Bay Area and haven't been to Salesforce Park, then head out to Andy Town Roasters first. 
I'll tell you more about the amazing cafe towards the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. Now let's get into today's topic of women leaving their home and everything they own to immigrate to another country and turn their dream into reality. This is our celebration of them, our gratitude, our full respect, because many of them are our mothers and grandmothers. And if you're still living in the country they immigrated to, then you have them to thank for it. The vulnerability and severity of this decision often gets taken for granted just after one or two generations. Usually the first generation that's either brought to the new country or born in the new country experiences the trauma of living two or three different cultures at the same time and experiencing an identity crisis. This is really a difficult scenario because usually the mothers are relying on daughters to be their ally in making their dream come true. And this doesn't leave much room for daughters to have dreams of their own. Children often have to learn the second language, the new language, in order to help their parents. But helping their parents could mean anything from figuring out how to register for school or helping with tax returns or even getting a job. That is a lot to ask from children, especially when they see kids their age just playing around, unaware of adult burdens. That can cause anger or frustration towards the parents because children have no context of how hard it is for their parents already. We are born into their dream and only know of the burden placed on us as kids. And that's where the temptation comes in. Temptation to avoid sticking out and instead try to blend in, assimilate into the new cultural norm. Still, there's something magical, alluring about a parent's culture. It's really obvious from the beginning. The food, the style, love of friends and family, music, it's all just so different than the daily experience. And even if you don't get it as a kid, because there's so much going on, you begin to appreciate it more as you get older. It's in your DNA. It's your life links. Your soul starts craving for the life that fulfills that dream. I had it a lot easier than many women whose mothers immigrated here, especially in today's hostile culture. My mother was fluent in English while living in Peru, and I never asked her if she had any plans to leave if she hadn't met my father there, because it's unfathomable to me that she would have left her single mother with two children at home and follow her own dream especially because I was not allowed to. Even so, that's exactly what she did when she married my American father in her hometown of Arequipa, Peru. Together, they came back to the U.S. for his job, but my father hadn't completed the paperwork right for her visa. 
So when he was called to Canada for work and they traveled cross country by car to get to the border in Maine, she was forced to stay behind. Because if she went into Canada, she wouldn't be allowed back into the U.S. It was a one-way visa. Kind of like our parking situations. No in and out privileges. <laughs> they were only six weeks married. She was in a foreign country, having left her mother and siblings behind to follow her husband. Yet my father left her at the border in Callis, Maine, alone, at 26 years old, to fend for herself without money, friends, or family. He paid for four weeks at the roadside motel and said, Okay, see you later. I'll be back. Can you even imagine? What would you do? What would you do today? If you followed someone, especially your husband, to another part of the world, only to be left behind. I mean, it's crazy to consider this on so many levels. And it gets worse. <laughs> it actually gets worse. Instead of telling my mother that he had made a mistake with the paperwork, he told her it was coming to the border control. So every day after he left, my mother would get all dressed up in her heels and her hat and her beautiful dresses and walk across a steel grate bridge, I don't know how, on tippy-toe, I guess, to the border control for weeks. Now, two things happened that were so indicative of the times. This is 1956. They're worth mentioning right away to give some context of the situation. First of all, regardless of being an immigrant or a local, no woman of decency would be staying alone in a roadside motel. The owners of the motel lived up the hill behind it, so when they found out my mother was there alone, they were shocked and really upset but they were really kind. So they invited my mother to stay in the house with them. And in order to make sure she had money, they offered to pay her for helping out with the kids, their children. Secondly, the context of 1956, the compassionate Canadian guards at the border control were so concerned for this beautiful woman being stuck at the border that they pooled their paychecks together to hire her an immigration attorney. Now, it took some time, but they raised $1,000, which today would be over 10000 from their paychecks. Now, who does that? Ugh, for the love of all Canadians. Now, the whole time this is happening, my mother is desperate. Not for her husband but that her own mother in Arequipa would find out. You see, the local paper had picked up the story that a beautiful newlywed from Peru was in their tiny town after being ditched at the border. And my mother was so worried that somehow her mother would read it in the papers. 
and be totally disappointed in her. And even with an immigration attorney trying to correct the situation, my mother was deported back to Peru. It didn't matter that she was married to an American or that she had a sponsor here to vouch for her. She was mandated to leave the U.S. and start over. When she told me this story as a teenager, I thought it was ridiculous. I was totally wrapped up in my teenage mind. Because how absurd to worry that my grandmother, her mother, would read a tiny U.S. border town's paper. I was more concerned that my curfew was earlier than my little brother's, who was four years younger than me. I could not offer her any kind of compassion or support or empathy when I was younger over her immigration story. I had no appreciation for the fear my mother endured or the shame she felt in facing her mother again when she was deported. I was too removed by privilege, the privilege of being born here to have compassion for a situation, especially when she was 26 years old. She had done the dirty work for me, so I was safe from experiencing that same feeling, that threat. It took until 2005 for me to gain a true appreciation and respect for my mother's immigration story. That was the year of my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. They wanted to retrace their steps to celebrate how far they had come together. So my daughters and I took them back to see this epic bridge. And as we're driving into town, not even close to the infamous border, my youngest daughter, who was only 12 at the time, exclaimed, We aren't staying here, right? Now, no insult to Callis, but this was a much smaller town than we city girls were accustomed to being in, so she was a little freaked out. But what really drove it home for me was when we all went out on the bridge. We followed my mother's footsteps to the Border Patrol and suddenly realized the feeling of isolation, anxiety, and loneliness. You could feel the apprehension of approaching these very stern men in uniform only to ask if her papers had arrived and being told day after day, no. So while I was trying to keep my own life steady in manipulating two different cultures, I hadn't even realized how severe hers had been just to get here. Thankfully, my youngest daughter summed it up for all of us because I was without words. I felt so ashamed for not having given more compassion to my mom. So my daughter turns to my dad and said, Grandpa, if I were Grammy, I would have left without you. <laughs> what a difference two generations makes, right? So much strength and reality, it brings context back into sharp vision. Now, I know my mother's story is one of the easier versions of immigration. She chose to come here with her husband and start a life together. She wasn't separated from her children at the border. 
she was deported again and had to take my older brothers with her, not knowing when she could return. But it's a lot different than having your children taken from you. This is all we hear about immigrant stories these days. The battle to get here and then to get all the paperwork right in order to stay. But there's also the stories of how society flourishes with our immigrant populations and communities. How they bring their cultural traditions and foods and business savvy. But there's an even more powerful, more subtle story that affects our society. It's how all of us are positively affected by the immigrant populations here in the U.S. Positively affected. It was my mother that convinced my father to become a geotechnical engineer, to go into business with her, to get his master's, and ultimately improve the lives of thousands of people, cities, counties, individuals, through their engineering projects. And the same is true for other families who become politicians, decision makers, artists, writers, educators, and share their knowledge with thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people. Now, whether it was their dream to come here or their dream to follow, women have improved our society through their strength to persevere past the obstacles and fight for a bigger life that includes everyone in their community. It's hard for us children to understand it once we are here. We're experiencing a different kind of threat, an identity challenge. As a child, you think that parents have it all figured out. I mean, they seem so much older and in charge, but as you get closer to the age that you remember them as when you were younger, <laughs> that light bulb turns on. And you go, wow, how did my mom do it? How did she dare leave her home and family, travel across the world, and land in a country unwilling to accept her? All in the hopes that I would love it here and be proud of her courage and compassion to create opportunity for me. I know so many of you can relate to this. Oh, this makes me cry. She's not with me anymore. So for those of you with your moms, especially moms that made that courageous journey, give some big hugs, some abrazos, and gratitude. Mother's Day is only a pause, an opportunity to ponder what being a mother is really like for a woman. She is so much more than a parent expected to take care of others. She had dreams, loves, visions of success for herself. Have you taken the time to find out what they are? Did your mom have the time to make her dreams her reality? Maybe there's still time to make that happen for her. Although I didn't empathize with my mother's journey when I was younger, I feel I gave her justice in not assimilating completely into this culture. Not necessarily because of her, but something resonating deep inside me. 
Maybe it was as simple as our shared name, Consuelo. If she was Consuelo, then I would stay Consuelo. Connie was not in the pipeline. And once that was set in my mind, then so many other cultural aspects followed. And now I'm so grateful for this multicultural life. I've got it pretty well figured out, still working on some things, but I feel blessed to carry in me multiple cultures of knowledge, traditions, fun, the food, and share it with my friends and family. I hope you find that same love and joy of living that multicultural life, having the pride to share it with the next generations, telling the story of the woman in your family who immigrated here, left everything behind so that you would be blessed with the opportunity of being here. Now for the cafecito moments. I hope you were following the hints on our Instagram stories, because if you missed them, remember to find them in our highlights. We made a reel again of last week's steamy cafecito at Soul Blends Coffee Roasters in Oakland, so you can check that out on our Instagram profile at lifelinks. This week's Women on Business is in San Francisco. It was started by two baristas who wanted a cozy neighborhood coffee house that resembled their grandmother's home. I love that, right? The abuelitas, they always have the cozy places. Lauren Crabb and Michael McCrory did all the roasting all the baking and all the serving in their first location in 2014. But now they have four locations, including one by the beach and the other at Salesforce Park. And that's where I went because I love Salesforce Park. And Lauren is worthy of a big shout out because she's a pivotal businesswoman who worked diligently through the pandemic to keep her workforce employed. She also began a donation effort in order to deliver coffee to frontline workers at local San Francisco hospitals up to four times a day. Yeah, when a lot of us were binge watching Netflix in our fuzzy slippers, she was hauling ass. So much compassion and philanthropy for her. Andy Town coffee is roasted as blends and single sourced. They even have a Peruvian coffee, Peru El Diamante, the diamond, by Robert Shilcon, so you can buy that. And you could learn more about the coffee types on their blog. They go into full description. It's really fascinating. If you're not in the area, the coffee can be purchased online at andytownsf.com or at andytownsf on Instagram. You can also access it in this week's transcript on our website at thelinks.com. So please support this business and Lauren's valiant efforts to overcome the pandemic severity. Definitely someone we can all learn from. Check out the Cafecito highlights on our LifeLinks Instagram for more visuals of Andy Town at its gorgeous location in the heart of Soma. Remember to tag life links in your favorite cafecito moments, especially with your mamacitas. Would love to see your own cafecito favorites that your mother's taught you. So give us some selfies. Show us how your coffee's made. 
take a look at our website at thelinks.com for each episode's transcripts and the articles linked to what you've heard here today. Share the love of this podcast with your friends and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts so we can stay in conversation. Step into your truth, ladies. Ciao. Really appreciate the time we take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at Lifelinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva!